Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. From the heart of the Carolinas, challenging the smug, misinformed arrogance of the left. The trouble with our liberal friends is not that they're ignorant. It's just that they know so much that isn't so. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Vince Coakley, normally heard at this time, is away today. So the program has been taken over with the cooperation of staff and management. And my pal Vince, uh, it is recovering United States Congressman J.D. Hayworth behind the mic, only in America. Could a guy come from High Point, uh, go down to NC State at the behest of Lou Holtz, who promptly left that gig to take one with the New York Jets, become one of the biggest washouts in Wolfpack history? Uh, but end up as student body president there, and from there end up way out in Arizona after stops along the way, and I'll get to that in just a second, uh, where after seven years at Channel 10, Phoenix is the sports anchor. The good people of the 6th District of Arizona elected me to Congress, where I spent six terms. Almost sounds like the slammer, doesn't it? Six terms in the big house. In the United States House of Representatives. And back to broadcasting. And along the way, if you have to, happen to be listening on WORD, Greenville, Spartanburg, you may recall, if you're of a certain vintage, that for five years I was the sports anchor. Well, yeah, five years. That's right. From 81 to 86, sports anchor at Channel 4 Greenville. So... It's great to be on this Carolina's combo cast, as I call it, given the obsession with alliteration that broadcasters have. Uh, from verbal pathology to, <laughs> to numerical necessity, uh, some things don't change. Number to call, toll free from any place, the Ingalls Market Talk Line, one 800 928 1110. So, you have today off? MLK holiday, MLK day. And it's interesting the different ways in which this holiday remains politicized. Let me read to you some remarks on social media. I saw this today on LinkedIn. By the way, if you're looking for me, and I know that you used to find me on Facebook, but since uh, Zuckerberg played us all for suckers, uh, trying to influence elections, I believe unlawfully, why, why give him business? So you'll find me on LinkedIn, J. D. Hayworth, H-A-Y-W-O-R-T-H, should you choose to correspond there, or to let me know what you have to say. At any rate, my friend Kendall Qualls, now I say I'm a Carazonan, lived in the Carolinas, ended up in Arizona, but uh, I guess we call Kendall uh, uh, an Oklahoma. Spent the bulk of his life in Oklahoma and uh, in recent years working in Minnesota. A fascinating gentleman who uh, his dad was in the Army and so spent uh, the bulk of his time in Oklahoma. But his dad and mom split. So when he was elementary school age, his mom said, come on, kids, we're going back to New York City. And that was uh, that was and experience in and of itself. At any rate, KQ, as I call him, Kendall Qualls, uh, ran for Congress in 2020 in Minnesota, lost to the incumbent Democrat, ran for the Republican nomination for governor of Minnesota, uh, did not get the nod at the party conference, and has returned to other work. He has an MBA. He was a noted executive primarily in uh, medical related businesses but he 
says in his post, this MLK holiday marks the second year we began a movement to lead people away from the destructive policies that are harming black Americans and American society in general. Prior to President Johnson's Great Society social welfare experiment, the black community was progressing based on the fundamentals of faith, family, and education. 80% of children were born in two-parent families. The wage gap was aggressively closing, and between 1940 and 1960, half the black population moved out of poverty. The civil rights leaders and politicians that emerged after MLK's death have led the black community down a path of government dependency, fatherless homes, and a victimhood mentality. Today, black students' ACT scores are lower than they were 20 years ago. The vast majority of children are born in fatherless homes and the leading cause of death for black pediatric males, in other words, black kids, is homicide, according to the CDC. An army of diversity, equity, and inclusion agents, critical race theory enthusiasts, and identity politics will not change the current state of affairs. In fact, it will make it worse. We're leading a movement called the Prodigal Project that emphasizes a return to cultural roots of the black community, faith, family, and education. The fastest route from poverty to prosperity is the private sector, but it requires a solid education. If you are on a nonprofit board serving inner city youth, mandate that they teach marriage before children and that America is a land of opportunity for everyone, regardless of race or social station. Sadly, kids today will not get that message anyplace else, including public schools. One thing I don't believe I mentioned to you in passing, but perhaps it will, it will carry some weight with you. Kendall Qualls is no George Wallace fan caught in a time warp. Kendall Qualls is a Republican who happens to be black and a Republican who followed in his dad's footsteps into the army, and a Republican, really scratch that, an American, an American who figured out that education was the key. And as you hear from his writings on the Prodigal Project, he invites people to reassess where we have been since civil rights really turned into racial wrongs. Tell me where I'm wrong. 1-800-928-1110. It is JD for Vince on this Carolina's Combo Cast. Stay with me. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Toll free from any place, the number to call 1-800-928-1110. Recovering Congressman J.D. Hayworth in for Vince Coakley on this Carolina's Combo Cast, still to come this hour. A radical revisionism of revitalization? 
what some cynics might call Greenville's 1619 project. Been all over the newspaper, the Greenville News, man, kind of interesting. We'll, we'll get into that a little later this hour. And we're also going to take a listen in mere moments to Joe Biden showing up yesterday for services at Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta. That church inexorably linked to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He was the pastor there to show you how things change. Raphael Warnock, the senior senator from Georgia, who just won re-election by defeating Herschel Walker. Uh, Raphael Warnock uh, is still the senior pastor, in addition to being the senior senator from Georgia. And we're supposed to believe that yesterday's sermon was not political. Wait till you hear old Joe. I, and, and if you're driving, please keep your hands firmly affixed at 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock. Just like Coach Larry Ons taught me in Driver's Ed at High Point Central. Uh, because, uh, <laughs> get ready for it, Joe Biden actually opens his comments from the pulpit yesterday at Ebenezer with a true statement. The veracity soon gives way to mendacity, but that's coming up. I mentioned my friend, since I call myself a Carazonan, a Carolinian who ended up out in the deserts of Arizona, I call my friend Kendall Qualls an Oklahoman. Spent most of his youth in Oklahoma, uh, now resides in Minnesota, and twixt and tween a brief, ugly experience in New York City. Kendall Qualls chairs the Prodigal Project. He says, uh, government handouts and the great society make things, made things worse for the black community. He offered these statistics between 1939 and 1960. Median incomes for black men rose from $460 to $3,075. In other words, that average income grew by 568.5%. For white men, median income grew from $1,112 to $5,137, or by 362% over the same period. Obviously, there is a gap. Even I know, though I'm not mathematically inclined, even I know that Three grand is less than five grand. As of 1940, more than four-fifths of black families, 87%, in fact, lived below the official poverty level. By 1960, this had fallen to 47%. In other words, the poverty rate among blacks had been nearly cut in half before either the Civil Rights Revolution, or the Great Society Social Programs that began in the 1960s. A couple of thoughts. There's a fellow Carazonian, Carazonan out in the, uh, the Arizona desert, a physician who started, he's, he's about 10 years older than I am, he started at NC State, and it just wasn't going well, so he went in the Navy, got out, went to school closer to home, he, he hails from Kinston, went to school closer to home in Greenville North, over there in Pitt County, yes, at East Carolina University, excelled in pre-med, went to medical school in Chapel Hill, still has that heavy down east accent. And he says sometimes he encounters uh, Arizonans who move from Minnesota, don't you know? And other spots in middle America, and he says on occasion some folks get strident. 
And they say to him, you're from the South, you're a racist. He goes, okay. Because he's learned not to fight it. And look, if we want to be honest about it, flickering memory, I, I think I was about three, about to turn four, 1962, the lunch counter sit-in at Woolworths in Greensboro. I, I can remember that, but I can also remember about that same time, Dance Party on Channel 2 Greensboro was integrated. I can also remember, and, and this is something that if you have moved to the Carolinas from points northward, or from way out in California, you escape the third world conditions that gruesome Gavin Newsom is visiting upon the once golden state. If you headed clear across the country to the Carolinas, it may surprise you to learn that uh, as recently as the 1970s, uh, the kids show in Greensboro was named the Old Rebel. Late great George Perry, he put on this gray top hat, and yeah, it was based on the on the Civil War. But I also remember Christmas Eve, nineteen sixty four, when. Uh, a group of black children came in to recite "Twas the Night Before Christmas. At that point in time, not a lot of virtue signaling, either about the integration of the dance party uh, daily TV show or the kids show, The Old Rebel. It was just done. So if you've grown up in the South, as I did, You've experienced life and, quote, racial issues, warts and all. Reflecting back on my growing up, the best thing that happened to me was when the High Point City Schools desegregated and I was sent across town to what had been a historically black junior high school. You know, I loved it so much. Because there, we were called students. We were not called children. As fate would have it, we moved. I had to go to another a junior high. Principal was a dear fellow, but he called us children. By that time, we were ninth graders. Come on. There was more to it than that, and I will discuss it. Back with Joe Biden and a true statement from the pulpit at Ebenezer Baptist yesterday and more. It's J.D. for Vince. The Carolinas combo cast of the Vince Kovacokli program continues. Recovering Congressman J.D. Hayworth in for Vince. Yes, proud High Pointer, proud NC State alum, and proud of my five years at Channel 4 Greenville, where I was the sports anchor. A toll-free from any place, give us a call, the Ingalls Market Talk Line, 1-800-928-1110. As promised earlier, oh, oh, next hour, while we're talking about things coming up, all the hoo-ha surrounding the voice of the Wolfpack, Gary Hahn. Well, I know Wake County has become Woke County. We'll get into that next hour. But right now, as I promised, mere moments ago, and again, if you're driving and uh, you may want to have your various monitoring devices, recording devices going right now because I, former conservative Republican Congressman Hayworth, I'm about to say, well, I'll say it right, Joe Biden uttered a truth when he began sermonizing yesterday from the pulpit at Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta. Take a listen to cut one. I've spoken before parliaments, kings, queens, 
leaders of the world. I've been doing this for a long time, but this is intimidating following. Y'all are incredible. I, uh, to which I will respond with the colloquial true dat. It has been my privilege not only to join you behind this microphone, but to speak from the well of the United States House of Representatives, to stand at the dispatch box and debate before the Oxford Union in England, to address huge groups, but there is nothing, nothing more humbling and more awe-inspiring and yes the butterflies start when you stand in a pulpit as an imperfect human being and you attempt to share the good news so in that sense on, on a human level I absolutely identify with what Joe Biden said in that opening statement yesterday. But <laughs> the disagreements start immediately thereafter. Old Joe, well, he... <laughs> we're all human, right? He succumbs to temptation. He spins a tale about regularly attending a black church. Then he spots Andrew Young former Georgia congressman, former UN ambassador under Jimmy Carter, great guy by the way, who's done so much for economic revitalization in Atlanta and in the state of Georgia, now as a esteemed and honored uh, senior citizen, he spots Andy Young and starts this kind of uh, narrative about allegedly fighting apartheid in South Africa. He may or may not have done that, but, but the big fib comes when he, when he claims that he regularly attended a black church. Take a listen to Cut 2. And let's say one thing to rest. I may be a practicing Catholic. I used to go to 7.30 Mass every morning in high school and then in college before I went to the black church. Not a joke. Andy knows this. Andy, it's so great to see you, man. You're one of the greatest we've ever had. You really are, Andy. Andy and I took on apartheid in South Africa and a whole lot else. They didn't want to see him coming. Yeah. Okay, Joe. What was that? Uh, uh, the late Ann Richards was going after uh, George H.W. Bush. And, of course, Ann was the Democrat governor of Texas who uh, later lost to George W., as I recall. And so Anne, who, by the way, was a, a really nice lady, a real crackerjack. I'd visit with her on the plane up from Dallas to Washington because we'd, we'd fly Phoenix to Dallas. There, there was a thing behind that called the perimeter rule. That's another story for another day. But occasionally you get the chance to visit when she had gone into government relations following her time as governor of Texas and during my time as a member of Congress. So anyway, remember when Ann got up there at... Uh, at the uh, Democrat National Convention. Poor George, he just can't help it. He was born with a silver foot in his mouth. Well, old Joe, he just can't help. I, you know, he always talks about his Irish heritage. Yeah, look, uh, all politicians who may have the gift of Blarney, whether you're Irish or not, raise your hands. You, you can't see me, but I'll admit I'm raising my hand right now. So Joe just starts this thing to identify with the audience some sort of hoo-ha about regularly attending a black church after going to daily mass. Okay, enough said. 
So we'll we'll allow that uh, pseudo presidential prevarication. And we know that now, uh, since Joe has had the keys to the Oval Office and been led in there by his puppet masters, he um, a president, whomever the president is, serves as both chief executive and ceremonial head of state. So here is old Joe in his role as head of state setting forth the reason for his presence yesterday in the pulpit at Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta. This is cut three. On this day of remembrance, as we gather here at his cherished Ebenezer, to commemorate what would have been Dr. King's 94th birthday, we gather to contemplate his moral vision and to commit ourselves to his path. To his path and he repeated it to his path to his path which prompts the question since we've entered the age of woke since the New York Times in an anti-Trump move prior to the 2020 elections embraced <laughs> the fiction of the 1619 project the question is, has the civil rights movement remained true to the path set forward by Dr. Martin Luther King? When we come back, we'll hear the greatest words of Dr. King himself and talk about that. 1-800-928-1110. It's J.D. for Vince on this Carolina's Combo Cast. Ten minutes before 11, hour two, the hoo-ha involving Gary Hahn, the voice of the Wolfpack, who happily is back behind the microphone. Uh, back for Vince Coakley, recovering Congressman J.D. Hayworth, 1-800-928-1110, the number to call. If you care to comment, take me to task, verbally eviscerate me, or say, you know, J.D., you're saying things that ring true. Speaking of statements that ring true, that resonate through history, let me take you back, I believe it was the spring, possibly the summer of 1963, I believe it was called the March on Washington, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King in front of the Lincoln Memorial talks about his dream. This is cut four. I have a dream. My poor little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream. You hear that applause. And you hear with crystal clarity from one of the great orators in American history what his dream entailed for his progeny. That he would not get to see in this earthly realm grow into adulthood. The dream that one day they would be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Now, of course, the left is into narratives. What is your narrative? What is your story? What can you cherry-pick and change and take in the words of inclusion and turn into division? Dr. King spoke of equality of opportunity, not a guarantee of equal outcomes. But of course, now the left wants to use the heavy hand of government 
not for equality, but for equity. Equity means to seek social justice. There needs to be retribution for those who, like anyone, is born and cannot help their racial and or ethnic makeup, but generationally, if you enjoyed white privilege, you should encounter retribution. I grew up at a time where integration was championed, where the full force of the courts was utilized to bring about integration in the public schools. But integration has now been replaced by wokeism and separatism. Where on major college campuses, there are residence halls reserved for blacks only. Is this Dr. King's dream? No. But it's the narrative of those who long ago learned the power of division and that there's always someone who will accede to guilt or to a misplaced form of virtue. Look at me, look how enlightened I am. I deserve to be punished. We should have riots in the streets and call them peaceful gatherings. Dr. King championed nonviolence. How does that square with the summer of 2020? And Black Lives Matter? And I recall the erstwhile Democrat presidential candidate, the blow-dried, supremely quaffed Martin O'Malley, who came out west, came to my backyard, Phoenix, Arizona, for a bloggers convention and had the temerity to say that all lives matter and the leftist activists so intimidated Martin O'Malley that he scrambled back to apologize and to say that given historical injustice granted this is a paraphrase given historical injustice we must emphasize that black lives matter. Now Richard Nixon wasn't the master of the wedge issue. Today's leftist politicians and so-called leaders, they are the masters of the wedge and it ain't a big chunk of lettuce covered with blue cheese. It's JD for Vince. Hang on. Hour two is straight ahead. We're glad to have you along. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. From the heart of the Carolinas, bringing the day's events into focus with the lens of liberty, this is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. And Vince is away today, so you've got the recovering congressman, J.D. Hayworth, High Point native, proud NC State alum, and former sports anchor at Channel 4 Greenville. Coming up this hour, a little later, all the hoo-ha surrounding Gary Hahn, the voice of the Wolfpack, who happily is back behind the microphone as of Saturday... Also, it turns out if you're hip to history, Papa Doc and Baby Doc are no longer the Duvaliers of Haiti. Now you got Papa Doc Joe Biden and Baby Doc Hunter Biden. And the Doc in this question has to do with documents. Documents at the what is the Penn Biden Center taking, by the way, the folks at Pennsylvania taking generous stipends from the Chi-Coms. Hmm, curious that. 
And of course, the Biden family home in Wilmington, Delaware, where classified documents are stored right there behind Joe's old Corvette. But hey, there's a lock on the door. I can open and close it when I drive the Corvette. That That's still to come. But uh, continuing, if you're just joining us this hour, MLK Day, of course, being observed today, the, the format we use for federal holidays where they fall on a Monday to give government workers a three-day weekend, don't you know? Yesterday in Charlotte, a march, a march of remembrance, but down I-85 in the upstate of South Carolina. Mercy, can you give me the lowdown on the upstate? Because I, I, uh, I was perusing the website of the Greenville News, and I saw uh, what uh, politely could be called the radical revisionism of revitalization, or if you really wanted to be cynical, you might call it Greenville's own 1619 project. Uh, I'll, I'll just have to, to read you the first page. This uh, appeared in the Greenville News uh, back, uh, what, what's it, almost a week ago, January 11th. Ken Kolb, who I believe is the chair of the Department of Sociology over at Furman penned these words. And I'll just read this to you uh, from his uh, opinion piece in the Greenville News. As the new year rolls in, the time has come to reflect on Greenville's four decades of revitalization. The city's promotional story goes something like this. With the opening of the Hyatt in 1982 and later the Peace Center, a new urbanist vision of Main Street began to rise from the ashes of our former textile-based economy. In the years that followed, new amenities would invite people to live, work, and play downtown by calming traffic, widening sidewalks, and unveiling green spaces the city would entice the return of retail and residential development. By 2020, the city's total population would finally rebound to its high-water mark of more than a half century ago. An amazing success story. But there is another version of this story that deserves telling. Greenville's progress has come at a price. Housing has become unaffordable. Neighborhoods are gentrifying. These are the facts. The number of black residents in the city has dropped every year for the past 40 years. Racial economic inequality within the city is among the worst in the southeast and Greenville's historic black neighborhoods have been hit the hardest. Professor Kenneth Kolb continues, these are the findings of a year-long project conducted by me and a term of researchers at Furman University. Our report, Racial Displacement in Greenville, South Carolina, has been featured in the pages of this newspaper we invite readers to explore our report's charts, download its graphs, and interact with its dynamic maps online. Our research team hopes this work will start a new discussion about how all residents of Greenville can benefit from our community's, quote, revitalization, close quote. The words of Professor... Kenneth H. Kolb, Ph.D. Uh, a quick check of Ken Kolb's resume reveals that uh, from uh, the year 2000 to the year aught two, he was a Peace Corps volunteer in Paraguay. Uh, before that, in the year 1998, he picked up his Bachelor's of Arts in Sociology 
where he graduated, he graduated cum laude from Bates College up in Maine. Then in 2000, uh, the year that he went off to join the Peace Corps, he uh, got his master's, <clears throat> are you ready for it, from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Then in aught eight, he picked up his PhD in sociology, and now he graces the lovely Greenville campus of Furman University. It is part of history and economics and sociology and, well, cynics would say the woke doctrine to offer this type of revisionist history. And again, if we go by the notion of William Randolph Hearst's definition of journalism, you may have heard it in anecdotal form. The newspaper magnate was heard to say, look, if a dog bites a man, that's not news. But if a man bites a dog, now that is news. And perhaps it's, it's challenging, it's provocative, it uh, certainly, given the tenor of politics on college campuses today, where so-called diversity of thought tends to be uniformity of leftist dogma, I have no doubt it fits in there. The one thing I have heard and heard and heard about Greenville in the years since I departed. And that would be 1986, four years after the, the Hyatt downtown and the start of the revitalization is, man, you ought to see Greenville now. You ought to see the restaurants and the shops and the parks and people are coming downtown and things have changed in Greenville. And whether or not you live in Greenville, you've seen it too. How many travel guides Say, so you're going to be surprised when you go to Greenville. And things have changed there, but Ken Cole challenges the citizens of Greenville to make it more inclusive. Just would be happy to get your take on it. 1-800-928-1110, the number to call. It's J.D. for Vince on the Carolinas Combo Cast. past 11 on the Carolinas Combo Cast, JD for Vince, on what you normally know as the Vince Coakley program, 1-800-928-1110 on the phone from York, South Carolina. We welcome Ed to the broadcast. Hiya, Ed. God bless you, JD. Uh, what you're talking about today is so timely, and if people knew the whole history of, of what Martin Luther King was saying that we're each, we treat ourselves as equal. We don't like to look at the color of our skin. And uh, what the radicals are trying to do is say that the white people are basically evil. They have this new uh, race theory they came out with that white people are inherently evil. Uh, this would just so infuriate Martin Luther King to hear this kind of comment. And they were being persecuted, and it's the persecution of white people. Start only German, only people that came from Germany or Austria. They were persecuted because of President Woodrow Wilson, a Democrat, who was furious that uh, Lincoln had freed the slaves. Well, and let, let's talk a little more about uh, about Woody, about Woodrow Wilson, and thanks for the call, because I appreciate what you're saying, Ed. Yeah, w Woodrow Wilson, uh, despite being a paragon of progressivism, was very much a Virginian, and yes, uh, I know he spent some time at Davidson as an undergraduate, 
later in life, of course, became the president of Princeton University, en route to the governorship of New Jersey, and eventually becoming president of the United States. And the actions he took during World War One to place under suspicion and restriction those of Germanic descent are part of history. But also, we should note for the times that he was not exactly enlightened racially. Now. Here's where we recognize that, but also let me introduce a new concept into our discussion. You've heard of ethnocentrism, and I think that's part of the, the woke hoo-ha surrounding so-called white privilege. Why, you've been, you've been privileged and you don't even know it. Part of that whole thing. But let me take it out of things beyond our control. And, well, this is another thing beyond our control. We are chronocentric. The times into which we are born are reflected in the way we lead our lives. Does that mean we cop a plea for unfair persecution or brutality? No, but neither does that mean that we expunge those unpleasant facts from history, or that we should tear down statues of historic figures. That's, that's chapter and verse from the enraged Marxist kids of the mid-60s that the Chicoms that Mao had going, the Red Guard. We don't need to Red Guard America. But to the central point Ed made, Dr. King, and you heard him here last hour, he said he dreamt of the day when his children would be judged by the content of their character instead of the color of their skin. And uh, changing Dr. King, making him woke, well, let me tell you, he just has a lot of company. The narrative has changed for another, quote, civil rights leader, Cesar Chavez. Now, if you go anywhere nationally and the narrative is, Cesar Chavez worked for equal rights for all regardless of nationality, and the intimation, the suggestion is that Cesar Chavez, were he still here with us today, he would be a leading proponent of open borders. <laughs> Let me tell you. There is nothing further from the truth. You are about to hear Cesar Chavez an interview called the La Paz interview in 1974. And when you hear him, you will be struck by maybe three things. Number one, it sounds like he's describing what's going on in our southern border today. And number two, just to prepare you, let me use a disclaimer in these a disclaimer in these politically correct woke times. He will use a term that was commonplace back in the day for those who came illegally. I guess you call it the W word. I just wanted to let you know, listener discretion advised, but take a listen now to cut five. Well, there's an awful lot of illegals coming in. By the hundred, by the thousands, our people are not only in some of the some of the crews where there, where there is now strike breaking. Some of those crews are 100% illegals, uh, outright, openly, uh, uh, with no attempt to disguise it. And so it's so so bad now that we estimate 60 to 70 percent of the farm workers in California are the resident worker, of the citizen is out of a job because of the wetbacks. They're coming in by the thousands. Just unbelievable. Now, that's not last week. That was 1974. And I just want to tell you that the Cesar Chavez you are seeing immortalized by the acolytes of open border policies is not the real Cesar Chavez. Now, he certainly could change his language when he visited the Kennedy School of Government in later life or UCLA or other campuses. 
One of the first rules any speaker should know is know your audience. But there was no road to Damascus experience that suddenly transmogrified Cesar Chavez into an open border activist. And though he was careful to talk about non-violent confrontation and boycotts, the reputation of his followers in, quote, greeting those who would come to this nation illegally, well, let me just tell you, it was 180 degrees different from what has happened to today's Border Patrol, where the Biden bunch has our men and women who are supposed to protect the border turned into nothing more than a welcome wagon for people who come here illegally. Cesar Chavez wasn't about that. And we are doing an injustice to history when we try to reinvent either MLK or Cesar Chavez or some other historical figure as, as we, if we try to present them as woke. And with it, or we develop a narrative of radical revisionism. Economic revitalization, bad. Changing the ethnic and racial makeup of neighborhoods by government force, good. Really? When we come back, more of this woke hoo-ha involving Wolfpack announcer Gary Hahn. It's JD for Vince. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Four minutes in front of high noon. The Vince Coakley program special guest host and legend in his own mind, recovering Congressman J.D. Hayworth, 1-800-928-1110. So, before the break, you heard the real Cesar Chavez lamenting the number of illegals Coming into the country, and no, Cesar left this veil of tears uh, quite a while ago. But his comments were, were just as appropriate for what's going on now on the southern border. Uh, by the way, closed circuit to North Carolina's new, newly minted senior senator, Tom T-H-O-M Tillis. The H stands for, have you sent a check to my campaign? Hey, Tom... Get off this amnesty kick, pal. It's wrong for America. You're pushing the wrong policies for the wrong reasons. It will have the wrong outcome. Okay, maybe one day when I'm back, maybe Tom will come on and we'll have a nice little debate, but I'm not holding my breath. At any rate, and, and look, the, the, uh, we should also point out, if you're just joining us, when we heard Cesar Chavez in that 1974 La Paz interview, he used a derogatory term for those who had crossed the border illegally. We'll call it the W word. Because, yes... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I talked about chronocentrism, but the fact is now we've tried to clean up our language and get away from ethnic epithets and racial epithets for that matter. Uh, but if, if you want to see the influence of wokeism, take a look today at Breitbart.com. The headline, New York Mayor Eric Adams wants $2 billion dollars to care for economic migrants. Even a, a, 
a conservative website. And by the way, they don't have economic migrants in quotations, as if that's the term used by New York Mayor Eric Adams. No, that's the term the Breitbart headline writers want to use because they are afraid of criticism for calling illegal aliens illegal aliens. Sorry. That's who they are. If you come to this country without permission and allegedly without documentation, although illegals are given documents galore by your government, especially in the age of old Joe Biden as our southern borders being erased, uh, you know, it's just, well, you... We, we, we don't want to use that term, AP, the style book. Oh, no, 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 we, we don't use that horrible term, that outdated term. No, here is what happens, and, and we were warned about this in George Orwell's 1984 when the Ministry of Truth would go in and change the language and pull stories and monitor the consumption of media by the masses there. What was the uh, the fictional nation? Was it Oceania? I believe. And that was the gig. What was the, uh, the hero's name? Winston Smith. And he sat there and he labored and he would work to change the language, change events, change history. Is that not what the woke movement is doing to us right now? Woke wants us to move into a, a, a coma. Some sort of uh, narcolepsy where we ignore differences and where we fail to use language that is graphic and descriptive, but not obscene. Which brings me, and you may have talked about this before, but if, if you're scoring at home, you and I haven't gotten together since back on December 19th, right before Christmas. So for me, I want to address the whole thing involving the voice of the wolf pack, Gary Hahn. And what's interesting, and what, what it has been given wide distribution is the, uh, is the score he reported during the New Duke's Mayo Bowl, the wolf pack versus the Terrapins of Maryland. I'm sorry to say my alma mater lost that game, but uh, a lull in the action... And here's what Gary Hahn had to say that got him in a heap of trouble, cut six. One other bowl game involving an ACC team going on. That's the Sun Bowl. And amongst all the illegal aliens down in El Paso, it's UCLA 14 and Pittsburgh 6. That's with 11.15 to go in the second quarter. So he passes along a score. And uh, he says down in El Paso amidst all the illegal aliens. Now understand that anybody who is doing a broadcast of several hours duration, especially play-by-play, -play, not so much a basketball because the action is nonstop you're talking about, but for football and especially for baseball, you've got time to talk about anything. My old buddy Hall of Fame baseball announcer Marty Brenneman. The Carolina Rumpty Vump grad, radio, TV, motion pictures, back when they had that department in Chapel Hill. Old Marty, who labored for a time in Salisbury Radio and also over at Channel 8 in High Point, uh, before ending up at the big time, the major leagues for years, the voice of the Cincinnati Reds, he and the old left-hander Joe Nuxhall would talk uh, between innings or between pitches about tomato plants. And how you raise your a variety of topics, and that endeared them to the audience. Now, what Gary Hahn had to say is technically correct, irreverent, and on target. And given the absurdity of Uncle Sam's unwillingness to enforce our immigration law, it was amusing in a laugh-to-keep-from-crying fashion. But Learfield Sports promptly gives Gary Hahn a suspension. 
It was called indefinite. And then some of us old wolf packers started to call up. A lot of my teammates, we got together, and I, I called Boo Corrigan's office. And I said, that this is strike three. You had the outrage of the College World Series where I am certain the Vandy coach conspired with the NCAA to throw out the Wolfpack in the dead of night. That's point number one. Number two, we go out to San Diego to play a bowl game with UCLA. Uh, Last year, Chip Kelly pulls the Bruins out with about, what, five or less than five hours before game time? We should have been in his face. We should have been in the UCLA AD's face, and we should have sued him. But then point number three, this whole deal with Gary Hahn. Boo Corrigan didn't say boo. Now, he did call me, and I appreciate the call. And we discuss these things together. So I give him credit for that. And in the final analysis, for whatever reason, NC State reinstated Gary Hahn. He was there Saturday calling the action in the Wolfpack basketball team's big win over Miami. I'm so happy Gary's back, and I'll be back after this. Ten minutes till noon, heading down the home stretch of the Carolinas Combo Cast, also known as the Vince Coakley Program special guest host and legend in his own mind, J.D. Hayworth, former Channel 4 Greenville sports anchor and recovering United States congressman from Arizona behind the mic. Oh, did I mention High Point native and proud NC State guy? Maybe you got evidence of that. Grad, I should say. Not just an NC State guy. Proud 1980 graduate. Man, (laughs) that's getting further and further in the rearview mirror. Uh, If you thought we were somehow going to ignore... The new adventures of a newly minted Papa Doc and Baby Doc. In this case, not a couple of Haitians. No, uh, the first family in the United States, Papa Doc, Joe Biden, his boy Baby Doc Hunter, and all the attendant problems that these two have visited upon our country. Well, we're going to spend the rest of our time together talking about that. And while I'm doing that, again, since you and I haven't gotten together since December 19th, let me offer a shout out to two members of Congress, one from North Carolina, Dan Bishop, married to former Miss Joe Johnson of High Point, And uh, on the other side of the state line, Ralph Norman. They were part of the 20 principled conservatives who said, it's real easy, Kevin McCarthy. You want to be speaker? You need to listen to what conservatives are saying. And lo and behold, the rules package came through and reminiscent of... Uh, the the uh, late great British Prime Minister Benjamin Disraeli, who famously said, I must follow the people. After all, am I not their leader? Kevin McCarthy got the message. Here he is yesterday on Fox News Sunday, or I beg your pardon, no, this is Sunday Morning Futures on Fox, talking about a curious tendency with the the DOJ and the FBI and just who investigates whom. This is Cut 13. Of the thousands of people who work at the FBI, why is it every time there's an investigation of a Republican, they're always tied together in a small little loop? Couldn't we have an independent person in the FBI that has no ties to anything to investigate something? Why is it always from a small protected group of friends are the only ones that they put in to have counsel? And he's referring specifically to Robert Herr. Not Charlton Heston as Ben-Hur, but the newly designated special prosecutor for this Biden uh, um, possession of classified documents that is illegal. Robert Hur was the former U.S. attorney for Maryland, but Hur was part of the Russia hoaxers. 
Oh, yes, her was. And her is part of the cabal of never-Trumpers the Justice Department calls on. Their party label uh, kind of makes them convenient stoolies. Now, speaking of the whole Trump hoo-ha and that first impeachment, Maybe you remember the name Dan Goldman. He was the especially odiferous uh, uh, staff counsel, the lawyer to Adam Schiff and the impeachment crowd. But he rode that into Congress. A leftist district in New York elected him. He showed up yesterday on uh, Deface the Nation on CBS. And I want you to listen to this classic two plus two equals five statement as rhetorically Dan Goldman tries to defend the Biden bunch. This is cut nine. That this administration is doing things by the book. There is a divide and a separation between the Department of Justice and the White House that certainly did not exist in the last administration. What you talking about, Dan Goldman? <laughs> It is remarkable, but that's right. Again, this is Washington. And in the progressive era, you establish your own narrative. You make up your own facts. Let me tell you, just as Barack Obama is pulling the strings on Joe Biden, so too is Joe Biden, or maybe Biden's chief of staff, Ron Klain, pulling the strings on Merrick Garland down at the Department of Justice. And the same thing for the director of the FBI. Now, what is interesting is Margaret Brennan, that obvious Democrat sympathizer who doubles as allegedly an objective host of Face the Nation, follows up with a tough question about Biden for the aforementioned newly minted Congressman Goldman. This is cut 10. Why would he send lawyers who don't have a security clearance to search for classified material? I, I'm not sure, uh, I, I, and we don't know the circumstances of that, um, but certainly the documents leave uh, the vice president's office and have to be stored somewhere. <laughs> well, they have to be stored somewhere. Yeah, right. Biden is probably going down, but it'll be slow-mo. Because, uh, well, we'll discuss that next time we get together. For Vince Coakley, J.D. Hayworth, stay brave, stay free, stay tuned. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program.